Hey, hey, and welcome to the Straight Up Show podcast. I am your host, Calvin, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host and co-creator, Brandon. Uh, Lee's not with us on this episode, but Lee had a big part of joining us today and kind of giving us feedback for this episode. Uh, we kind of had some going back and forth about how we're going to do this episode, and there was a lot to study, a lot to learn, because uh, the show is about Asian discrimination during COVID. And, you know, Brandon thought one way, I thought one way, and Lee kind of was in the middle to kind of just break the ice and kind of just split the difference and kind of see both parts of it. And I think that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is kind of seeing both parts of it. Because in, in the in beginning, I was more – I didn't understand what was going on with Asians uh, going through COVID-19. and I didn't know that there was so much hate being displayed and shown uh, towards them. And Brandon, quickly, can you just tell us why did you? What was your 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 view of choosing this topic for today? So, with a lot of the hate discrimination going against the Asian community uh, right now, there's not a lot of help being given by the federal uh, government, and we don't need this to be a repeat of you know Muslims in nine eleven, uh, the Germans from World War War One. Um, and, you know, just other situations where we've been hit with a critical um, enemy and we found a scapegoat, which is a certain race community to place our, you know, negative feelings on. So the best way I thought we could help with this situation is by one, talking about it and also learning about what feelings we are uh, having mentally that we can think on before we start, you know, just throwing ourselves at people and spinning spitting in the face of the Asian community. Right. And my thing is, I can't feel it's, it's hard for me to feel sympathetic because, you know, I am African-American, you're African-American. And, you know, I've been on a lot for a long time and I used to be, uh, you know, neglectful saying that oh, this doesn't happen to me, but man, like, you know, us as African-Americans, I'm not trying to just say this is a competition, but man, we, we go through it a lot. So when you told me this, it, it was kind of hard for me to feel sympathetic for what they're going through right now, because this is something that, that people that look like me go through every single day. So, I mean, after I, I spoke to you and we kind of just went back and forth, I kind of now see what you and Lee were talking about. So even just talking to you two who aren't Asian, I kind of now see the bigger picture and um, I, I miss a lot of stuff that I didn't understand about discrimination itself and selfishly thinking that it is just not really selfishly, but just saying that, okay, what happens more to us than them? And so, well, it's kind of like, Hey, welcome to the club. So get in the line and join the club. And, and after we, 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 we we're going to bring some guests on today. We have a mental health expert, who's going to talk to us about the impact of not just those who are being discriminated, but those who are actually, you know, figure out why people are doing this. And she, and, and she, we're going to talk to her and we're going to pick her mind and kind of ask her questions about this. We also have someone who is a victim of Asian discrimination because of COVID. And I think that, you know, Brandon, I mean, I, I have a lot of questions to ask her. I mean, I, I know you do too. So we're going to ask these hard questions. Thank you so much, Emma, for joining us today, uh, for coming on the Straight Up Show podcast. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Okay. And we found Emma uh, on Twitter, and, and we saw that she had a wonderful uh, YouTube uh, video just explaining about how uh, Asians across the world are getting discriminated because of COVID-19. And, and, and particularly, Brandon has some questions, and I do too, to ask you. So, Emma, I'm going to give the floor to Brandon, and Brandon's going to talk to you a little bit, okay? Sure. Hey, Emma. So, what was your life, like everyday life, everything you did, you know, from the beginning of your day near the end? What was your life before COVID started? Okay. Um, well, I'm graduating as a healthcare worker, like in a few weeks. 
So I was in clinic and I guess I've always been like kind of a sensitive person to racial issues and like other kinds of inequality. So um, even before this whole pandemic started, I would always notice when people would treat me differently because I'm Asian in clinic, especially as a minority. Um, like when I was doing a rotation in Miami at a prestigious eye hospital, um, some patients would like, actually one memorably, she would like stare at me and she'd be like, China? And it's just mind blowing because, you know, I work so hard to be in a position where I can care for people. And this is how many of them treat me. Um, and then there's also more subtle ways like people would be like, oh, where are you from? Like every single day I would get asked that. And I, I know it can be like a friendly question, but um, I, I just can't help but to feel like I was, was always treated a little bit differently for being the only Asian in the building. Um, and this was all before the pandemic started. Yeah, so kind of before the pandemic started, you already felt some way of you were, of course, different from, um, you know, the other students. Um, mm -hmm. But kind of, how about like on any outside, on the outside of even the classroom, like when you would, you know, walk, take a walk, you know, your life was there and those types. Um, I guess I feel like, pretty at ease, especially in Canada, I guess, maybe some parts in the US where I'm not used to being there, there's like less than a 1% Asian population, then I might feel a little strange, because I would get like more stares and stuff in like, Florida, like Miami area, for example. But um, I don't know, like, I never really felt that unsafe. But I think I'm just a person who like, really pays attention to these kinds of inequalities. So, but even for me, like I never really felt that out of place, at least in Canada and most parts of the US. So now let's get into the pandemic. Now that the pandemic is here, how have your life changed since then? Okay, um, well, luckily I've had the opportunity to kind of stay home most of the time after. Um, my last clinic was cut short. So I'd say like 99.9% .9 of my time has been spent at home, but, um, I think just a few instances where it's directly affected me include uh, my one of my rotations was in Utah where they cut the rotation short and um, I was just taking a walk around the neighborhood you know getting some fresh air one day this was in March um, and then there was just this group of uh, Caucasian teenage boys they were sitting in a field and I was just minding my own business and then like one of them started shouting something at me and I could tell it was very hostile and I didn't know what he was saying but um, it was just kind of a an uncomfortable situation. Like I was across the street from them and it didn't look like they were going to attack me or anything, but um, I, I don't think, well, I mean, I've had homeless people shout at me, but I haven't really had anything like that happen, like from yeah, was it like mental situation. Was it like the tone of their voice? The, the Was it a, a facial expression? Yeah. How did you know this was different? Well, it was a combination of all of the above. Like, I don't even know these people and they looked, well, one of them looked angry and like, he was shouting in like an angry way. Um, and I could tell like some of his friends were trying to like get him to stop. But just the fact that this, and I'm pretty sure it has to do with the pandemic because nothing like this has happened to me before. So it was just something uncomfortable. Um, I didn't feel like my life was threatened, but it could be like, you know, like there were teenagers, but they could gang up on me if they wanted to. Um, and this is Utah, like all the, I gotta be honest, like all the people there are really nice that I've encountered. I didn't know what to expect going in, but everyone was really lovely. So just having that happen was really unsettling. And um, it was just very strange. And in terms of my fear from getting attacked just comes from, you know, I know most people are probably not racist. At least they won't overly be racist towards an Asian person. But like, even if there's a small minority who are willing to go out and attack us for just how we look, I've heard accounts of Singaporean in, I think it was Portugal or some European country, he got beaten up by a group of white um, teenagers or anywho, they weren't Asian and they targeted him specifically for looking Chinese, but he wasn't even Chinese. So um, things like that, just I feel bad for all people who look Asian because a lot of us, you know, most of us were very, we keep to ourselves and we've been taught growing up to keep out of trouble, to not be confrontational, to not fight. And so I feel like that paired with very aggressive, hostile 
people who are taking out their anger on us is a very bad combination. And a lot of us, um, I know my friends are great people. They're outstanding. They work hard. They're, they're kind people to each other in the community. And, you know, they're hardworking. They're doctors and engineers. And they don't deserve, nobody gets deserves getting beaten up for who they are. But, I mean, especially not my friends. And they ha I've heard stories of them just going out, trying to, you know, go out as least as possible. And facing racism, like, oh, like, you know they're just calling them all sorts of slurs and making a scene in public and and just this is just not okay on so many levels so i think a lot of my fear just comes from these first-hand accounts and seeing all these news articles come up with like women getting acid splash on their face in new york like that is just not okay so yeah i, I guess that's where a lot of my um apprehension comes from i think i think i, I took your video is that you worked hard to get where you're at and that you didn't have to go through most struggles most people have gone through. And like I said, the one thing I did say that, you, I saw you, but you said you were privileged. And so that a lot of stuff probably wouldn't relate to how your discrimination from being Asian doesn't compare to other people, but you do feel their pain. And you think that this whole, uh, I'm not the virus pertains not just to you because you have to go through it, but other people too. And so it's not just, like you said, it's not just one person, it's everybody from Asian to Blacks to Hispanic, it's everybody. So that's what I got you from your video is that you talked about unity, but more specifically that it's happening now because of Asians and that, you know, you, you're working hard in your clinic and, you know, just, you know, to me, that's inspirational for you to even come out to even say that because a lot of people who go through discrimination, people are scared to speak out on it. And to say, hey, if the like you said, it's a hate crime. Crime itself deserves punishment. A lot of people uh, that we're seeing right now are not getting that punishment for it. For sure, um, I think that's one thing about Asian culture that kind of makes this whole situation worse because many of our cultures focus so much on saving face and like, oh, what your reputation is, and if you speak out, like, are you going to lose your job? Are you going to get in trouble? So um, I think that's holding back a lot of people. So um, it's really so important to just get your voice out there because that's really your biggest weapon against all of this. And it's the most effective one too, because you're not harming anybody by saying what's going on. Well, I mean, as long as you're speaking in a, you know, like a reasonable and um, I guess easy to perceive way. So I think more people should speak up about all sorts of inequalities and hate crimes because if you don't tell anybody, then nothing's going to change. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to care. Mm -hmm. And I think what makes me upset is that that there are so many people who look quote unquote Chinese, but they're not even Chinese. They're like from they're, they're from Singapore. And then you know, I have a friend. She's Vietnamese. She's never been to Vietnam. She uh, she's never been anywhere across the country. But she was born in British Columbia. And right. but. And the thing about it is, is that she comes to America and people just call her Chinese and like she asking if she speaks Vietnamese and then, which is crazy, she even gets stereotyped against Vietnamese uh, uh, because she can't speak the language. And so it, that's just so much misconception about just judging people in general. But exactly. uh, definitely your video of Unity basically inspired me to contact you at first it was for research purposes, but then it was like, you know what? Because at first I was really against the subject because, you know, I had, like you said, it's not a competition. And I was kind of in that mindset of a competition of a competitor because I'm like, you know what? I mean, what they're going through is what we go through daily. So why should I feel any kind of empathy for them? Not, not in a, not in a malicious way, but like, you know, this is what we go through. This is mm -hmm. our normal. So, I mean, they, we shouldn't be shocked that this is going on right now because that's just how people are and we're just used to it. Yeah. And like you said in your video, it's not right. First of all, I think it's really open-minded of you to invite me here. And I know it's not easy coming from your position because I recognize there's a lot of systemic oppression against black people. So I can, I can kind of understand where you're coming from with the whole like, oh, we experience this everyday thing. Um, but I'm glad you're able to see it from our perspective as well. I think racism in general, of course, should not be allowed, but I've been seeing a lot of, um, 
I made a video about how hate crimes should be stopped and um, actually got a lot of like controversial comments and downvotes from people I'm pretty sure who haven't even watched the video and a lot of comments like oh well what about like the blacks facing discrimination in China or Hispanics and blacks have been facing this forever and I understand that racism does affect a lot of people and sometimes to different degrees depending on who you are um, but I just think that like this is my video specifically was saying stop hate crimes against Asians and also hate crimes are bad in general. It's not a competition. So I don't get why there's like this hostility between races. In general, before all this happened, I've always been proactive against all sorts of racism. And I've always understood that intersectionality was a thing. Um, and we all know like the long history of racism against blacks in America. So I, I don't want it to be a competition. Like it, it's just unnecessary and I think if there's a problem, we should all speak up about it. But um, I don't think groups should be attacking each other about, oh, who has it worse? Because that's not really what the problem is here. The problem is all of it is bad and we all deserve to speak up about it if we feel strongly about a specific situation. It's not meant to be like, oh, like who has it worse, you know? Um, and I also wanted to add like with your friend being Vietnamese and like she's barely even Vietnamese, but she still gets stereotyped as Chinese. Like I. And to add to that, like, yeah, that's just one example of why you shouldn't be racist towards Asians for thinking they're Chinese. Even me, who's Chinese, I grew up in Canada. I, I'm not a communist. I disagree with the Chinese government. I, you know, like, I, I feel like they shouldn't be killing people and all that. Um, I, I think China is a great country. I'm still proud of my country. I, I'm proud of Chinese people, but I don't agree with some of the tactics the government does to carry out certain goals. So just because somebody looks Chinese doesn't mean they are a living, breathing version of the government. And sometimes people say, fuck China, like they don't understand how harmful that is. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not like they mean fuck the Chinese government, but some people say fuck China because they're lazy. But some people actually mean fuck China because in their mind, Chinese people and everyone who looks Chinese equals the Chinese government. And that is one of the most harmful and ignorant distinctions that you could just ignore. Being the message to the world, what would you say to them in regards to COVID discrimination against Asians? Um, well, I think the message is pretty simple. Um, even if you have racist thoughts, just keep it to yourself and don't harm others by spreading nonsense, hate towards certain groups, and especially not physical violence, because that is not okay under any circumstance. All right, well, Emma, thank you so much. And hey, congratulations on school. And uh, it's very, very, very uh, admirable to do because I know that I did six years of college. I can't imagine what you're going through right now. <laughs> well, that's still something to celebrate. Um, yeah, thank you so much for all the kind words. Oh, no problem. All right, well, Emma, take care and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Dr. Thompson, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, yeah, are you welcome? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just want to say thank you, like I said, personally, because uh, you took time out of your busy schedule to talk to yeah. us today. So uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. As I mentioned to you, many people helped me along the way, and this is an opportunity. I consider this an opportunity to pay it for. Thank you. All right. And if you don't mind, just kind of just tell people, give you a little bit of background about you and uh, what you do. So um, I'm Dr. Monique Thompson. I have a doctorate in health administration. I'm a licensed professional counselor, which means in Texas, you have to have a license to practice as a psychotherapist. And I've been licensed for 19 years. I'm also a licensed professional counselor supervisor. And in Texas, for you to get your license, you have to have supervision after you finish your degree and after you get your license, someone has to supervise you. So I've supervised, I think, 30, well, 14, 14 now um, interns to get their license. So that's what those credentials mean. Um, I'm a faculty member with the University of Phoenix. I've been there for 11 years now. And I'm a consultant with Southern Methodist University School of, I'm um, Perkins School of Theology, and I've been there for 
17 years now. I'll be in my 18th year this fall. Um, so I'm in higher education and I have a counseling practice. And my daughter and I started a nonprofit about four years ago called Whatsoever is Good, where we help students to get scholarships to go to college. And she herself has over $11 million in merit scholarships. And she's a graduating wow. senior this, this spring. Yes. Wow. Well, congratulations to the both of you. That's a lot. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought, see, I've already complained about six years of school and, you know, wow, I can't even <laughs> imagine what you did. So uh, big congratulations to you. Thank all. you. And, thank you. And once again, thank you so much for going on yeah. the show. Because you know, yeah. just hearing all that, you can imagine how busy you are. So we're going to get to it. Uh, mm-hmm. First, I'm going to start by asking, you know, that, uh, that there's a new line of discrimination going on with mm-hmm. because of COVID. And mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you heard about the ongoing issues, which most people, like we, we talked about earlier in the show, that it hasn't been really brought to the forefront, but it's happening all over, is mm-hmm. Asian discrimination uh, because of COVID. And one thing that me and our, the guys that we talked about earlier was that it's not just in America, it's mm-hmm. global. That these uh, Asian Asians, you know, whether they're Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, uh, that they're going through discrimination. They even just walk around with a mask in public. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know what's the purpose of people getting paranoid and thinking that they have to be uh, just there's so discrimination towards these Asian people because mm-hmm. of what's going on and why? It's because it did originate in China. Uh, we are aware of that. Uh, mm-hmm. which which it really hasn't been really set in stone where it came from in China, but uh, it, mm-hmm. it, the source came from China, but now people who look like of Asian descent are mm-hmm. now getting attacked in the streets, mm-hmm. uh, definitely cyberbullied, and mm-hmm. people are just paranoid to be around Asian people. And uh, and I, I know earlier I, I was telling Brandon that, you know, you, you, can, you can attest that we live in a multicultural area in Dallas, Mm-hmm. And I, I live in a, a city to where it's probably 80% Asian. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I had my own paranoia, like, mm-hmm. like you said, just going outside and being around my neighbors because they, I know that some of my neighbors, they do travel a lot, you know, out of the mm-hmm. country. And so I had that same paranoia, but mm-hmm. you know, what can you say about that? So um, one of the courses that I teach for University of Phoenix is on corrections. And so I'm going to pull it from that angle because I want to be careful that we don't mislabel this kind of racism, this kind of phobia as simply a mental illness. However, there is some history there. Um, In our country, there's history that far predates COVID of um, Asians in our country being severely mistreated. Mm -hmm. Um, Other communities being marginalized and mistreated. Um, If we look at, do other people have these thoughts? Do you and I have these thoughts? Um, Part of my work earlier, before I had kids, um, was with adult male sex offenders. Um, And in one evening in group, one of the guys asked me, so you telling me no one has these thoughts like we do? I'm going to take my responsibility seriously as a therapist. So for a question like that, I wanted to use caution. And I told him, let me think about it. Let me research. So I did. And I always do look in the articles, look in the literature, see what, see what we know. And I came back to him the next week with an academic answer, but it had lined up with my personal thoughts, right? So my answer to him was, yes, other people do have the same kinds of thoughts that you guys have. The difference is that we are repulsed instead of aroused. So when you're talking about like, Asian Americans having these experiences. You might have, like you said, uh, my neighbor's been traveling. <laughs> Where did you go? <laughs> Are you okay? You may have those thoughts, um, but you're not aroused by thoughts of violence, by thoughts of hurting that person without provocation, about thoughts of dehumanizing them. You're not aroused by those thoughts. You're likely repulsed by that, which helps you to exercise some self-regard and to be at least um, socially polite to that person, maintaining your social distance, but being human toward that person and seeing some line of connection between yourself. When you're aroused by harming someone who has not provoked you, um, the problem there is in your mind where you are not allowing yourself to take a moment to remove your action from your thought. 
Now, I know it seems dark, but I am going to associate this the same as I would with a sex offender because that is the treatment, which is we want them, if you have a thought, for you to pause and not take action, right? Right. Whenever we say we're releasing someone who's a sex offender back into the community, what we expect is no matter what kind of thoughts you're having, you will exercise restraint and keep from engaging in what? Action. Same thing here. Even if you are having thoughts about Asian Americans, you're having thoughts that they are a certain way, what we expect you to do as a community is exercise restraint. For some of us, this is not a problem. We're not actually exercising restraint. We're not having disturbing thoughts in the first place. So there is a body of literature that helps us to see that some people have disturbing thoughts about a certain group of people and it provokes them to violence. There's also a body of literature that helps us to see that partly what's happening is this person has a superiority complex. They have decided that I am better in, in charge of everyone else and they feel some sense of parenting or like I can control you by exercising these kind of acts. All both of these groups have in common is thoughts that are incorrect. We call them deviant thoughts. And for forensic science, we would say they are criminal thinking errors. So that's what is really going on. When we're looking at this is worldwide. Statistically, that's the same thing as any other crime. The problem is almost always the person who executed the action failed to use self-control. And what, um, and thank you for that answer. I mean, because that makes a lot of sense. And just, I'm just breaking it down. Wow, that's, I never thought it the way you, you put it that way. Um, and now I put myself in the shoes of someone uh, for the uh, for the sake of the show, like Asians who are who who are going through that. Like, I mean, what do you think they can do to like just? I mean, I know they can just probably distance themselves from people who think that way. But if they're walking on the street and they're mm-hmm. practicing social distancing and they're they're doing their due diligence, just just practicing what's going to need to happen, mm-hmm. what can they do when they get attacked like this or? Final charge. So I can tell you that uh, now. <laughs> Straight up, it's a crime. File charges. Spitting on somebody is assault. File press right. charges. Um, if you can record it, get a videotape of it, so you have some evidence. If there are bystanders who saw, get their names, telephone numbers, and contact information, and press charges. That is what you have to do. That and is what you not- have to do. And that's not just for Asians, that's for anybody, anybody. Anybody. I would say yes, for anybody, definitely, definitely for anybody. You want to um, re- recover your power, right? And fortunately, in America, and I can't speak for the options in other countries, because even as I was doing a little bit of research for this, there were other places where this is happening, and the complaint is that the government is not doing enough. Well, actually, okay. in America, we have existing laws on the books, press charges, Get your evidence in the moment and press charge and save that shirt that's got the DNA from them spitting on you. Save that shirt and take it to court and file your charges. And consider that sometimes even if you can't get a criminal penalty, you can get a civil penalty. Press both. Get both. And for those out there listening who are younger and think that broadcasting what you do online, you can get harassment charges on social media too. Exactly, you, know. you sure can. You sure can. And you sure can. Save my, all the messages. Exactly. When they start cyberbullying you, save the whole thread. Okay. Save the whole thread and press charges. Now, I do want right. to add um, a couple of things. Uh, right now, there is a uh, reporting center, uh, Stop AAPI Hate, uh, which mm. was created by the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council and a lot of other uh, great Asian uh, businesses and communities creating this thing. Um, it was started March 19th. Since then, and this report ended April 24th, there was almost 1,500 reports of coronavirus discrimination from Asian Americans reported. So it was almost 1,500 from March 19th to the 24th that was reported that they had some type of crime added to them. That's not to say this is just the ones that were reported. There is a lot seen where a lot of people will not report this type of stuff. Even with these resources, why do you think there's that hesitation toward that reporting the crime? 
All victims have hesitation. So I don't want to say it's just because somebody's Asian American. All victims have hesitation um, to report. Um, all victims, well, I won't say all, a majority of victims have a hesitation to report and require some level of support to report um, a crime. Um, I normally say my specialty is adult survivors of sexual trauma. What I say about people who have been victimized by crimes is that they want the same justice that everybody else wants, which is for it to have never happened in the first place. Right. Right. So when you are someone who was just walking down the street, which one of the reports, the lady was on her way to the gym and some random person just started talking crazy to her and then spit on her. And she made it to the gym and just sat down and cried. That is a typical reaction is to want to get away from the person mm-hmm. or the situation. You want it to just stop. However, one of the things to do to get your power back is to take some kind of action that brings you a sense of control. Now, as an adult, you have no responsibility to anybody except yourself. If you choose not to report, then that's something that you can choose to do. But if you've experienced that, to avoid resulting trauma, and by now I mean psychological trauma, I do heavily recommend that you talk to someone. Even if you don't report the crime, still talk to someone. So like the the reporting site that you have, that's like one step to kind of get a sense of power back. But this actually is a space where I would say a professional counselor would be where I would start because anything like that can provoke trauma symptoms, which we can get nipped in the But if you go see someone quickly, you can get a lot of trauma symptoms nipped in the bud before they become post-traumatic stress disorder or something like that. Um, But reporting the crime can be difficult to do for anybody. And I kind of want to go back to what you said in the beginning. Uh, The first thing you said where you said this is very similar to, um, you know, sex crimes. Um, Right now, a lot of crimes taking, um, taking place are being called hate crimes. And I, me doing my research, a lot of psychologists don't see hate crimes as true hate crimes. They say it's more leading, leading toward uh, fear, ignorance, and anger usually end up being the true source of them doing these type of crimes. Mm-hmm. Okay, you kind of get into like, and then they found a direct a, a space a population to direct those feelings toward. That's right. the same. This one saying we break this down to corrections, down to crime. We know what the criminal thinking pattern looks like for any crime. This is another crime, but it's still in the core, a criminal of cycle of criminal thinking. A criminal thinking pattern means that my thoughts about doing something, I am doing nothing about them. I'm just letting my brain run wild. I'm planning to do what I want to do by not planning not to, right? So part of it is that Some of us may have unsettled feelings about a certain group of people, but we might even use the access to the internet to explore that, see what's going on, to talk to somebody about it, to say, you know, I know this, I just, you know, um, Jane Elliott, she did the first, um, well, one highly publicized experiment, Brown Eyed Blue Eyes, where right after Martin Luther King's assassination, she split her her room, her classroom into two groups, two students with brown eyes, students with blue eyes. The first day, all the blue-eyed kids got all the privileges in the world they wanted, and the brown-eyed kids were made to feel like the bottom of somebody's shoe. You would think, because this was after she had explained to them what Martin Luther King stood for and how it was so wrong what had happened. You would think that the next day, when the shoe was on the other foot, that they would act like they had some sense. Oh, but no. The minute they got power, they treated the kids who had mistreated them the same way. Right. Right. So we know already that a lot of this is mental as far as you not choosing a different way to think. It is not a mental illness per se. More about you choosing not to control your behavior. You being angry, frustrated, and taking it out on somebody else. We saw that with her experiment. And there are other places where students can learn about this. I don't know if you guys have heard of Anytown USA. Anytown USA is a summer camp for kids to learn racial tolerance. Well, actually learn tolerance, period. So they bring in lots of different ethnicities, religious backgrounds, gender, help people to have some tolerance for people who are different from you. And so all week long, students go through this experience. And at the end of the week, they give them an opportunity to show what they learn, basically. And every time it's the same song, second verse, of you think that they would be tolerant and they are not. 
So you're right that it is something you have to experience and choose. You have to make a choice, an active choice. And thank you so much for saying that because that's kind of how I I look at it because I think that I think that with the camp, I think adults need that too. <laughs> but it's great that it's happening for kids because I mean, I, I grew up, I went to a majority white school and mm-hmm. I grew up with uh, people that I thought considered my brothers, you know, and just after college, uh, these friends just turned very racial. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, what happened? Like, and I think that, and I told Brandon this and, and we, I don't know if we had our disagreement on this or not, but I really think that in a way uh, that racism itself is just a trend. Like, mm-hmm. well, I don't really feel this way. But because person B and C feel this way, I'm gonna just join them and feel this way too. Yeah, yeah. Just um, failing to think your own thoughts. I mean, that's to some degree how gang rapes happen. Um, when we look back on lynchings, where people participated in it and just were not thinking for themselves, but also some of it was that you thought your thoughts were right. And you, you, you thought your thoughts were right. They were wrong the whole time. The whole time they were wrong. But you thought your thoughts were right. When you have people who are unchecked in their power, um, the whole Nazi concentration camps did not happen just because some one person had that idea. It was a long, big group of people who no one checked their ideas. No one made them stop. So something like this, you have to, you have to use some power and make it stop. You have to make it stop. If this happens to you, it's happening to someone else. And so you pressing charges against this person is not just protecting you. It's also keeping them from doing this to someone else. You have to take the step. You learn that time and time again in humanity. You cannot, and the turning of the cheek does not really mean don't press charges. That's not what it means. Mm. I'm sorry, Brandon. I was going to say, I want to... Touch back on what you're saying about the the camp that children okay. go to. Where uh, during my research, I saw that that is one of the biggest ways to prevent this type of um, crimes from happening. Because a lot of this comes from not understanding, mm-hmm. not. I'm just gonna say, uh, Asian individual like mm-hmm. going using Calvin's case. His friends knew him. Mm-hmm. But they did not know the African-American culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about music. You know, they mm-hmm. don't know the actual culture behind, you know, who we are. So when it comes to when they left, when they didn't see Calvin anymore, they had more interaction, probably negative interactions with, you know, more African-Americans or his his or her friends had negative interactions with African-Americans. Mm-hmm. and that kind of soaks up like, man, Calvin wasn't like that. But I mean, these people, you know, these, these seems like the type of people I want to hang around with. And right. therefore they, he's Calvin is not putting that into a group of you're one of them. And I have right. to protect my space. I have to protect my place in this world. Right. Right. And I think you know, one of the questions was like, do I feel like the social media is affecting how we subconsciously experience things. Yes, definitely. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, on the one hand. On the other hand, we're looking at things that affect us subconsciously. Mm-hmm. As a therapist, I can tell you that on the one hand, that is true. But the other part of the truth is that you could know. You could know. It is not true that you just are a robot, you know, inter- interacting with the world unaware of what you're doing. That's not true. So on the one hand, it's true that things are subconsciously affecting you, influencing your decisions. But the other part of the truth is that you can pause. And I'll tell you, there are two ways, and they're not magic pills. This is not a Disney answer, but these are two things you can do to improve your ability to think for yourself. One is meditation, Um, and that's science, right? 11 minutes of meditation a day helps you to be able to think, all right? The other one is the practice of mindfulness, which is a little bit like meditation, but is a step um, on managing your experience throughout the day. You choosing to have your brain in a place where it will listen to you, that's something that you can train your brain to do. 
If you allow yourself to be very good at being anxious, being very good at being a bigot, being very good at being racist, you're going to be an expert at it. But you can choose to learn. Your brain is capable of learning throughout your lifespan. So at this point, when we're looking at adults, we're looking at a choice not to learn. And we're looking at a choice not to, to um, be connected to other humans. All of these are the choices. The challenge is when do you decide that you're going to be something different? And sometimes for some people, I'm not saying for everybody, but some people require a jail sentence. Some people require <laughs> some prison time. You know, some of us just need your mama to say, you know, that was wrong. <laughs> some of yeah, us yeah. Just need a friend to say, dude, you was rude. You know, some of us just need that. Some of us just need somebody to be looking at us funny. Like, you know, you changed your whole tone when that guy came over here. Right. You know, and all, they, all we need is somebody to raise our self-awareness. But other people need handcuffs and, you know, a judge. <laughs> and, and, they're, and so that's the theory of corrections is deterrence. Some people are not going to stop because you tell them to. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. And very, very just stubborn in many ways. And it's not until they, you know, hit those bump in the roads even jail time, or probably lose lose a limb uh, here and there. Uh, right. <laughs> that they're right. like, well, I'm I'm crippled now. I'm crippled now, right? Now I I'm even less than what I thought I was when I was right. on top. Right. Y'all realize that the least risk sex offender is one that is over the age of seventy, and it's because they have decreased sexual arousal and they have decreased physical capacity to get opportunity with the victim. Wow. It's not actually because they changed their mind. Man, I had a teacher like that. They caught him on a boardwalk. Wow. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, Brandon, every time I talk to you, you, you just throw me for a loop. <laughs> Put that in there, didn't he? <laughs> I was like, that. Brandon? <laughs> but no, we, we love it. Yeah. And we love this conversation. I'm glad that we're having this conversation mm-hmm. because it's one, I'm learning a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, and the league's not here right, uh, the segment, but uh, one of the things that he said that I think I kind of agree with him with, and I'm throwing this, adding a little bit more to this. I think uh, we all know that history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a point in time, especially in our country, that we did have a strong discrimination towards Asian, which was during the Pearl Harbor days where we mm-hmm. had Japanese concentration camps. And then, you know, then after that, it turned to civil. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and after that, then, you know, Lee said that, you know, he believes that COVID uh, is going to be the new way how 9-11 mm-hmm. was for Middle Easterners because, you know, how many people, you know, they, they name a Middle Eastern and say, well, what you doing, Osama? Or they just, just mm-hmm. associate every Middle Eastern you see as Osama and, mm-hmm. you know, or a Muhammad. And it's just like, you know, you don't, that's not right. And so the, his his biggest belief is that, you know, the way that people are treating Asian Asians right now is that mm-hmm. when they think about COVID, they're going to mm-hmm. just call, you know, hey, what's up, COVID? And it's kind of, you mm-hmm. know, have the same discrimination they did on Middle Easterns during 9-11. That's such a power play, though. I just want to be clear that if, if someone is saying something like that, it's such a power play because the other person, you know, you're saying that to me because you feel somehow like your life don't depend on you talking like you have some respect to me. A little bit of that is going on. Okay, A little bit of that is going on. Then the other part of it is, well, if I have two friends, one of who is saying things like this, am I by my silence condoning it? Right. Right. You know, am I by my silence condoning it? And then taking it one more step further, if we're saying that social media can influence, which it does, then social media can use its powers for good and influence social change toward tolerance and towards us creating a place where you calling someone COVID is not well represented. We don't we don't embrace that. We shun that. We have to create the opposite level of power where you feel you who want to do that feel disenfranchised instead of it being the other way around. So that means that everybody who has the power to take a stand actually has to, you don't really have the option to remain silent. That's what's going on right now. That's what happened during the civil rights movement. That's what happened during suffrage. That's what's happened every time there has had to be a major change 
is that everybody has finally had to just stand up together. It does not work one person at a time. That does not work. Everybody has to be one voice, one strong fist. That's how we make it through. That is literally what's going to happen. And you're right. It's probably going to be, you know, these little nitpicky things. People say, do cyberbullying. Well, as soon as you see the thread, instead of ha, 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 he, 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 fight back at him. I saw this. <laughs> this, this name was funny, but not funny. This little boy had did something on Twitter. His mama had kind of encouraged him to do it. And quote, unquote, Black Twitter lit him up. Wow. And there was a video of him crying. He said, Mama, it's all your fault. Now Black Twitter got me. And I was like, Yeah, you need to get got. That's what I'm saying is that when you (laughs) have that kind of behavior, everybody can't sit around and go, Ooh, did you see that? Or oh my God, I can't believe that. You you need to you need to be socially disciplined. If you think about the playground, which I like the playground, my office faces a playground. I waited for it because I like playground justice. Playground justice. You do this, I check, I discipline you, and then we go to share lunch together after this. <laughs> That's how I like for us to handle these. Okay. The situation after after COVID, which I don't know if there'll be an after COVID. COVID is more like an ice age than a new normal, so I don't know what this looks like later. <laughs> but as we see things that we think are not socially appropriate, when we see racism, you're standing by somebody that's I mean, I've, y'all, y'all have seen the videos where somebody is literally doing something to a person and people are videotaping it right. instead oh, yeah. of intervening. Right. My sister is a homicide detective. One of, the, one of the problems is people sending the videotape in instead of intervening. And like I said, working in the news, yeah. we know that's a crime too. You right. will be, you will be you. charged as accessory. Thank you. So yeah, part of it is you're right. This is gonna continue, but our choice, everybody's choice is, what are you choosing to do? Like in the light of day, May second, what are you choosing to do in the light of day? That if you see it going down, if you see it happening, you know, will there be hell to pay because you happen to be there? No, it kind of. I'm sorry. It kind of goes into a uh, self reflection, and what mm-hmm. you said earlier. Also, uh, I want to. I think this kind of goes into it. Um, I and I'm, I'm going to use my myself as an as an example. Um, we I am also often put in situations to where things unfairly happen to me. The average African American person would say, "I didn't get this because I'm black." Mm-hmm. I try not to do that. I always try not to do that. I often see it might be because I'm not one good enough. Two, the higher power said, I do not need that right now, which that tends to be the reason why when I think back at it all the time. Um, Three, it just might have been a who you know situation. Me thinking like that, do you think that is a good practice for people right now in this type of situation where it's like, I know COVID came from China, mm-hmm. but from, is this person really Chinese? You know, is this person, or even if they are, then so yeah, 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 exactly. So like you have to stop, like you said in the beginning, think about what are the alternatives, you know, mm-hmm. what, what actually, what could actually be happening here instead of thinking straight to this negative feeling. Is that mm-hmm. do you think a good, a good practice for people? That's an evidence based practice. That is part of the evidence based approaches that are being used in prison systems right now so that people are ready for community corrections before they leave prison. One of the evidence based practices, cognitive behavioral treatment, meaning helping the person stop a thought that's irrational, correct it, think a different thought so that the action makes sense. That is an evidence based practice for people who are in prison. So certainly those who are about to commit a criminal act should pause, think a different thought, take action off the rational thought. So when you're thinking irrational, you just don't take, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Wait until you get a, just edit that thought until it's edited down to a rational thought. And while it's irrational, just do nothing. But often when you think like that, people will say mm-hmm. that you're seen as, oh, you're just blind. You're just you know, you just soft whatever. 
by your own community, they'll tell you that and they'll try to get you on that side. You know, that kind of goes into that, you know, thinking for yourself. You know, what what can people do to kind of defeat that, have have the courage to do that? To break that traditional uh yeah, break that traditional, traditional outlook mindset. mindset. What would it look like for you? I'm gonna ask you, what does it look like for you? Mm-hmm. Let's say I didn't get this client that I work for that I know okay. my my quality is is way better, but they went with somebody else. Okay. They might somebody might say, "Oh well, you know, you're black. They don't want to work with a black uh filmmaker. Uh, they don't want to work with you know somebody, you know, of your color." Where mm-hmm. I say, "Well, you could at least say I'm young. It's because I'm young, <laughs> but it might also be because, and this is what I've learned." Uh-huh. It might be because one, I don't market myself enough, or two, uh-huh. it might be because uh-huh. I my prices are technically higher than the other person. He might actually do it for free. You already did it. Yeah, yeah. Say, but say yeah. it's not. Believe it or not, I find it hard for people to do that. Yes, it is hard for people. No, it is hard for people to do that. It is hard for any person to do that. Can it be done? Yes. Is it hard to do? Also, yes. You're in a position where there's a big enough carrot. Like you can see that I have to push through these thoughts so that I can achieve this other goal, which is to be successful in my field. If I allow myself to think that way, that the reason is because I'm black, well, I'm going to keep being black. So is there any reason for me to pursue this career? No. Or you could say to yourself, well, there possibly are some workarounds. I could try my marketing. I can try to figure out, you know, I let me, the things I can do something about, let me do something about those things. Because even if it's true that some of it is because I'm black, then it doesn't mean I have to relegate myself to a life that that would dictate. I want this. And so you've got something you really, really want that helps you to have the motivation to work through those thoughts. But there may be other areas of your life where there's no real carrot and you let yourself have, you know, lazy thinking and mm-hmm. you're like, well, I don't, you know, I get around to that one day. <laughs> and it's just not a carrot there to right. get you to start changing the way you think about it. Um, even in my field, as I came into the field, I always wanted to be an extra good therapist. I wanted people to come to me and get better. I didn't want people to come to me and it just be okay. So I dedicated my work to being the very best that someone will get when they come to see me. It's very, very excruciating hard. I wouldn't wish my internship on anybody. But (laughs) even my own interns, and all of them have cried, but I don't want anybody to have my internship. My internship almost broke me, and I'm strong. But I I wanted what the result would be. So I'm a good diagnostician. I know how to treat anything that would come my way. I prefer not to treat certain things, but if it happened to be that somebody came in and they had some, I would know what to do. And I always wanted to be able to do that. So that carrot was big enough for me to push through everything. And I'm older now, I'm 19 years in, so I'm old now, but even for my field, I'm still young and I'm still different. I'm a black female and I'm a black, actually I'm a black female faith-based counselor um, I have complex specialties, adult survivors of sexual trauma, couples recovery from affairs. Things are not easy to treat. And I enjoy that work and I do it well, but it requires me to be on it and I enjoy that. So that carrot keeps me pushing my brain to work. So in your case, you happen to really want to do what you really want to do well, which I don't know if you know, that probably means it's going to happen. Right. What you're wanting to have happen the chances are more likely than not that they're going to happen. It's actually a predictor of survival. Optimism, like what you just described, is a predictor of survival. So you'll, you'll likely get it. Um, but the, the carrot is kind of nice. I mean, plus you actually get it to get more cash. I, I myself appreciate that too. I don't, actually, I don't work for free. I'm leaving that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's my religion. <laughs> I love it. I, 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 that's that's name of the show is called Straight Up. So I mean, yeah. you're you're being straight up, and I love it. And then uh, we don't want to keep you too too long, but I have to just end with this and uh, ask you, um, well, how do you feel about this whole thing? Like just 
the whole COVID and everything going on in the world right now, like, what's your just your final intake on everything? And like, what do you see the 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 the, the line? I know you said you really can't tell, but because it's a it's the ice thing. But what do you think the long term impact would be just because of COVID? Period. People gonna wash their hands? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I think that you guys are on to something with identifying a group that's being specifically marginalized in the wake of this. And so part of what I hope will happen is that our humanity is better post-pandemic. I think I hope that we are better, um, but we are humans and we don't always get better. So I would say that Part unfortunate. I mean, I'm a scientist, so some of my opinion is that it is it is not likely. Our probability is low without effort. Um, humans, we don't really do well with chance. So if we have a voice of leadership, I mean, that a community leadership that says we are going to be um, we're going to be our best selves, then that statistically suggest that we'll get there. If we continue to have the kind of leadership that we've had through this so far, I do not see things, as far as the humanistic part of it, I do not see that getting better. I would, unfortunately, that may get worse. And that's what we've seen so far. I don't know if y'all, probably in your research for it, you've seen that it is actually for Asian Americans, it has gotten worse because of the lack of leadership from our elected leaders. It has gotten worse for their population. So unless we see a change there, unfortunately, my opinion is that we will see a downturn in the quality of life that we are experiencing. On the other hand, will humans survive? Yeah, that's why we still walk on earth right now. We don't have claws and teeth to destroy. We will figure out a way to actually to survive, but is surviving something the same as quality? No, it is not. Wow, that was that was heavy. Yeah, um, yeah. I like that too. And uh, with that being said, I uh, just want to thank you uh, so much for coming on the show today. Uh, I and I was I was going to tell you this uh, post recording, but mm-hmm. like the whole time you were speaking, you know, learning a lot from you. I'm grinning ear to ear because like I've never you can hear stuff on TV and trust me Brandon and I can attest because we work in media he works in media Albert used to work in media and we know what what goes on and you know what we hear and stuff like that but just to hear like even right now with my friends who are doctors hearing it from the mouth you know the source of the mouth it it makes me feel more optimistic I feel more I feel like you know what everything's gonna be okay and just to hear you today, it gives me so much positivity that it's not, it's the world is different and mm-hmm. we have to look out for everybody and not just, uh, you know, whites, blacks, Latinos. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, we have to look out for everybody because like you said, in order to beat this, we have to work together mm-hmm. and isolating one uh, race is not going to make things better because as much as we want to isolate and discriminate, uh, they those want to isolate. I mean, just think about yeah, it came from China, but so does your clothes, so does your shoes. So, like mm-hmm. just so you know, if you want to hate on that, these people, we all contribute to the world. And yeah, something may have happened in China, but that doesn't mean they represent of what happened. You know, because Brandon can commit a crime tomorrow, but his crime doesn't define who I am. So definitely want to thank you so much for breaking it down, uh, giving us definitely mental exercises that we can uh, look to and kind of break down what people are thinking uh, with this. So definitely uh, thank you for calling. Um, And before you leave, uh, I want to give you an invitation to come back if you want. If you want to come back, talk to us. I like y'all. Y'all cool people. (laughs) I like like that straight up thing. I saw the thing. I'm like, oh, they straight up. We can do this thing. Yeah, and to be yeah. honest with you, like even even like even being like in media doing interviews, this yeah. is probably one of been the best interviews I've ever done my whole life. And because well, you're a professional and you you're you're doing what the show is about, keeping it straight up. And I just mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben, you well, I appreciate the time to be on the show. You guys I'll come anytime y'all ask. Yeah, yeah. Go on and um, you know, give your um 
what your business Oh, is. yes. Y'all, if, if anybody wants to reach out to me, my website is NorthDallasCounselor.com. North like the direction, Dallas like the city, and Counselor.com, um, Dr. Monique Thompson. And if you need any help, reach out. Um, I'd love to see what I can do. I definitely, for these guys, they can call me anytime. I'm really and truly, I owe a debt of gratitude to many, many professionals who helped me along the way in my career. A, lots of, a list of icons who helped me along and helped me to get where I am. So if you guys are listening to Straight Up and you liked it, please, I'm actually, my practice is fine. Y'all can come to my website. My practice is fine. Dr. Thompson has a long wait list. I ain't got no space for no new people right now. But listen, y'all listening to Straight Up and support this podcast because I listened in before I came on the show. I liked what I heard. They're really focusing on keeping things real and being real with you. And I like that approach. So you guys support this podcast. Thank you so much. And definitely if you're in the DFW area or if you want to email her, you know, reach out to her because like, you know, some professionals won't tell you the truth or keep it real with you. So uh, definitely I, I, I can just talk to her and just feel that I'm comfortable. I can talk to you. So thank you for just being well, keeping it straight up. And that's one that's one rule of the show. You have to be straight up and you definitely obey their rule and with grace. And so uh, thank you, Dr. Thompson, for coming on the show and thank you for keeping it straight up. All right, y'all take care. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Wow, man, Brandon, that was that was pretty powerful, man. I just I didn't think that going into this. I mean, I'm 30 years old and I still have a lot to learn. And just going to, just going, just doing this, doing these interviews has really taught me a lot. And I'm not just saying that I'm being uh, arrogant, but I just, I mean, I'm 30 years old and I've been through a lot in 30 years and I'm still learning. I'm still learning to educate myself when it comes to other people's uh, problems and stuff like that. I mean, what did you learn? I definitely learned a lot. Um, Dr. Monique Thompson definitely hit some points, hit some areas that I didn't think she would go. Um, connecting uh, the mental mentality of even predators and com- kind of just comparing it to what we're, what some people are feeling against the uh, Asian communities. And Emma, she definitely had a, a great way of thinking in terms of how we need to slow down and stop comparing like who is getting the hate more than others like you said it's not a competition and so yeah that kind of that struck home for me too now the the biggest thing here is that like you took the time to learn like sit and listen and we i think we both agree now like that's what even 50 year olds like 60 year olds like there's no time in our life that we need to say, okay, we learned everything. We, you know, we don't need to learn about other people's cultures. We don't need to know, like, how this country, you know, does one thing. The more we know, the more we understand, and the more we can actually get along with our neighbors. And I right. do mean, like, the communities that we, we're connected with. And I'm all, I'm all for embracing uh, different cultures, you know, and just... To know that that this kind of discrimination doesn't just go on in America, but from Canada to Singapore to Vietnam to and you're thinking about like we we're in America and we all contribute different cultures, which makes this country great. And you know, I, I can probably be wrong here statistically, but I mean the Asians are, make a heavy impact in our country. There are so many items that you hear that are made in China. I mean, I know there was one report that uh, somebody tried to go to college and for a project they went without making African American uh, for Black History Month. They went without making uh, without using African American made products in their homes, and it was a difficult assignment for them because we they contributed we contributed so much to this country and so we have to look like this is a giant melting pot and we have to do just such that and i don't know about you but we're hearing dr thompson when she talked to us um it made me do a lot of self-reflection not just because of asian discrimination and what they go through the lack of understanding what they go through but just self understanding what i'm supposed to perceive things and so she really did help me out with that and i hope she all uh, helps you out there. I know she helps you, Brandon, 
uh, for sure. But we hope that she helped you all out there. And we want to thank you so much for uh, joining us today at Startup Show. We want to continue the conversation. Uh, if you can make sure you follow us on all our social media platforms, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Straight Up Show, on uh, Twitter, Straight Up Plus Show, and on YouTube at Straight Up Show. If you want to be more specific, Straight Up Show Shreveport, you can find all of our content. But until then, make sure you always stay straight up. up. Have a good one. We want to thank you for tuning in to our episode. While producing and interviewing for this episode, an update on another tragedy just occurred. As most of you have heard and seen, 25-year-old Ahmaud Aubrey was shot and killed while jogging by two individuals who claimed that he was a suspect that had been breaking into homes in the neighborhood. It wasn't at night. He wasn't wearing a dark hoodie, but just jogging. The problem? Ahmaud was African-American and his killers? White. It's tragedies like this is why we produce shows like the ones we did today. Not every Asian has COVID or is Chinese. Not every African-American is a suspect. And every white person is not racist. Now, many of you counter-argue that we should be silent about what happened to Ahmad because when it happens to someone who's not a minority, it's not as publicized. Something interesting that our guest Emma said, it's not a competition. Discrimination and racism affects us all. So for those of you who see it as a published competition on these issues, well, minorities are in first place and the majority needs to catch up. Sounds ignorant, right? Well, so does judging and mistreating others who look different from you. So we leave you with a couple of questions. What will you do? Will you remain silent on these injustices plaguing the world? Or will you join us and speak out on what's right? What will you do?